Good morning and welcome to the Spine and Nerve Diagnostic Center Pain Management Podcast. My name is Dr. Brian Hovez. And my name is Dr. Nicholas Carvelis. And today we are going to be talking about naloxone. Uh, and so just in case anybody is not aware, naloxone is a medication that recently here in California uh, became a requirement uh, for us to, as pain management providers and as health providers in general to prescribe to our patient. Um, what I'm talking about is Assembly Bill 2760, which went into effect on January first of 2019, uh, this bill mandates that we offer patients uh, naloxone, best known as Narcan, uh, when prescribing opiates to patients under certain circumstances. Uh, Those circumstances are greater than 90 morphine equivalents per day. An opiate prescribed concurrently with a benzodiazepine or the one that is a little bit more gray is that a patient that presents with an increased risk of overdose. Um, This law says because they either have a history of overdose, a history of substance abuse disorder, or they're at risk uh, for returning to a high dose of opioid medication, uh, which the patient is no longer tolerant to. Uh, That is slightly more gray than the first two. The first two are a little bit easier, right? 90 morphine equivalents or a benzo and a and an opiate at the same time. Uh, Increased risk for overdose does make things a little bit more challenging, so be very cautious with your patients out there. Um, Also, for this Assembly Bill 2760, one of the things that we have to acknowledge is that not only do we have to offer uh, the patients uh, naloxone, we must educate the patients on the reason why we're prescribing the naloxone. I know that we all generally educate our patients whenever we're prescribing something for them, but this is a very key part of the law. We also must educate somebody that the patient designates as their person to learn about how to help them. The reason for this is if the patient's having challenges and does end up overdosing, generally speaking, they're not going to be able to administer themselves naloxone. So they must designate a person to be able to help them, and we must also educate that person. So a lot of steps to this law, but definitely something that we're going to have to pay attention to, make sure that we're implementing into our practices. Um, But we're going to take a step back and we're going to kind of go into a little bit more about naloxone. Uh, Dr. Hayes is going to give us some uh, of the basic science on it. Yeah. And um, so I wanted to uh, talk specifically about naloxone and to give the backdrop of um, naloxone one to quickly review the key points of uh, opioid overdose. <clears throat> so uh, based on some uh, quick review here that we know, but good to drive home uh, again. Um, so based on the available research, we know that the number of opioid overdoses is proportional to the number of opioids prescriptions and the dose of the opioid prescribed. Uh, we also know that there's a significant overlap between psychiatric diagnoses and chronic pain conditions, and patients with depression anxiety are more likely to receive higher doses of opioids and are more likely uh, to be on other centrally active, uh, acting um, sedative medications. <clears throat> and due to these factors, um, that this patient population is at increased risk of uh, overdose. So one thing I'll just quickly comment on, in, uh, as Dr. Hovez was mentioning with that new uh, law coming out in January of this year, uh, uh, 2019, <clears throat> is that for that uh, third um, uh, requirement to consider the prescription of naloxone, you know, definitely would, uh, if, if you're 
I would err on the side of caution there. So if you're kind of considering that it, it may be indicated that this patient may be high risk, um, then you should probably go ahead and uh, at least offer the naloxone and, and give the education. Um, so uh, err on the side of caution uh, uh, in terms of that. Now, <clears throat> some other statistics. So in 2010, the National Poison da uh, Data System uh, in the United States reported that there was uh, 107,000 um, exposures to opioid analgesics um, <clears throat> as a poison, uh, reported as a poison, and that resulted in uh, 27,500 hospital admissions. Um, so that I, as we all know, this is a significant uh, issue. <clears throat> the In terms of... Um, Opioid overdose itself. So, like I said, wanted to present that uh, as a backdrop before uh, discussing uh, naloxone. Um, so, <clears throat> opioid overdose itself generally is going to present with hypopnea or apnea, meiosis, and stupor. Um, so that uh, clinical triad uh, is is a common uh, presentation. Um, specifically, a respiratory depression. Uh, we're looking for a respiratory rate less than or equal to 12 in a patient uh, not in physiologic sleep. This is going to strongly suggest uh, opioid intoxication, especially uh, in combination with meiosis and stupor. So again, that that triad. Um, Keep in mind that overdose from uh, antipsychotic drugs, anticonvulsant agents, uh, ethanol, and other sedative hypnotic agents can also cause meiosis and stupor, but the respiratory depression that defines opioid toxicity is typically going to be uh, absent. Other things that can be uh, on clinical exam in the setting of opioid overdose include uh, hepatic injury um, due to the uh, acetaminophen ingestion or uh, hypoxemia. Um, uh, myoglobinuric uh, renal failure, rhabdomyolysis, uh, absent or hypoactive bowel sounds on exam, compartment syndrome, that's generally going to be because these patients are found down for an extended period of time, and then uh, hypothermia as well. So in terms of the management uh, of overdose <coughs> once uh, suspected, so for patients with stupor who have a respiratory rate less than or equal to 12, um, as we all know, uh, we all have our own systematic approach and it's good to always be reviewing and refining that. So <clears throat> check circulation, airway, breathing, IVO to monitor. Uh, ventilation is key and should be provided with a bag, bag valve mask um, in conjunction with uh, chin lift and jaw thrust maneuvers. I think in the setting of uh, concern for opioid overdose, the Larson's maneuver is a good maneuver to review uh, because it's a very noxious uh, stimulant very stimulating for the patient. You're going to be uh, placing your fingers be, uh, behind, um, posterior to the angle of the mandible, um, and uh, uh, that gives you a jaw thrust as well as a very noxious stimuli that potentially could get the patient out of their uh, um, uh, dangerous state. <clears throat> so now, uh, naloxone itself, um, this is the antidote for opioid overdose. It is a competitive mu opioid receptor antagonist. Uh, its use, it's indicated for the complete or partial reversal of opioid toxicity, including respiratory depression. Um, its roots of administration include intranasal, pulmonary, uh, intramuscular, subcutaneous, and IV. <coughs> uh, it does have negligible bioavailability after oral administration uh, due to extensive first-pass metabolism, and uh, that's why it's administered in, through these other routes. 
Um, in terms of the dosing, so this is going to be empirical uh, uh, for the uh, dosing administration. And this is because the effective dose would depend upon um, certain factors, including the amount of opioid the patient had taken or received, um, the relative affinity of naloxone for the patient's mu opioid receptor, as well as the opioid to be replaced. Um, the patient's weight, the degree of penetrance of the opioid into the patient's central nervous system, central nervous system at that point. Now, because the majority of these are going to be unknown um, to the clinician um, at the time that they're assessing the patient, we therefore must rely on the results of essentially therapeutic trials of administration of the um, uh, naloxone um, to get to the effective dose. So that initial uh, a, a dose that you're going to give based on the studies that we have available, um, in, a, in, an, uh, in an adult, you're going to start with 0.04 milligrams. <laughs> if there's no response, including an increase in the respiratory rate after two to three minutes, then administer 0.5 milligrams. If there's no response, again, after two to three minutes, administer two milligrams. If no response, again, after two to three minutes, administer four milligrams. Again, no response after two to three minutes, administer 10 milligrams. And if again, there's no response after two to three minutes, administer 15 milligrams. If there's no response after 15 milligrams of naloxone, then it is unlikely that the cause of respiratory depression is opioid overdose. And at this point, other causes should be uh, considered. <clears throat> In terms of uh, naloxone, its onset of action is less than two minutes uh, when administered IV and two to five minutes through intramuscular or subcutaneous routes. Importantly, its duration of action is about 20 to 90 minutes, which is going to be much shorter than the uh, duration of action of most opioids. Therefore, the reversal of uh, opioid toxicity after administration of naloxone can be transient. The, therefore, it's very important that once the respiratory rate in the patient's status improves, the patient should still be observed for a minimum of four hours. <clears throat> um, also, another key point is that the risk of inducing opioid withdrawal do not outweigh the risk of not treating the patient's uh, opioid um, overdose when suspected. Um, so this includes uh, uh, patients with uh, opioid dependence. Um, everything we do in, me in medicine is risk and benefit, and although there could be concern about the risk of uh, inducing opioid withdrawal uh, when administering naloxone, um, that risk uh, like I said, does not compare to the risk of not treating the uh, uh, opioid overdose. Uh, so, <clears throat> um, uh, and also to keep in mind, the common clinical manifestations of opioid withdrawal, which include, as we know, yawning, lacrimation, pelo erection, diaphoresis, myalgias, vomiting, diarrhea, these are all unpleasant but not life-threatening. Um, furthermore, uh, we know that um, patients with um, opioid tolerance often have a significant response to low doses of naloxone that are sufficient to restore breathing uh, without uh, provoking uh, significant withdrawal symptoms. So <clears throat> I think it's always good to uh, quickly review uh, uh, some key points. And so uh, the key points for our talk today, number one, um, the clinical signs and symptoms of opioid overdose include one, uh, hypopnea or apnea, two, meiosis, and three, stupor. So you're looking for that uh, clinical triad. Uh, um, second, in terms of the treatment, so as we know, circulation, airway, breathing, IVO2 monitor, bag valve mask, uh, uh, in including a consideration of the Larson maneuver, 
And then naloxone itself is a competitive mu opioid receptor antagonist um, that you're going to be utilizing with empiric treatment starting at a dose of 0.04 milligrams um, and increasing the dose every two to three minutes until adequate response. Um, and lastly, that patient, uh, the third key point being that the patient needs to be monitored for a minimum of four hours after its response, after the patient's response to naloxone, as the duration of action of naloxone is going to be significantly shorter than the duration of opioid toxicity typically. Wow, that was a very informative and uh, thorough review of naloxone and of uh, opioid overdose management. Thank you, Dr. K. I appreciate that. <laughs> of course. And uh, as always, I <laughs> um, want to quickly give some of the uh, research articles that were utilized in the, the talk. So um, one of the, uh, the main article used today was Management of Opioid Analgesic Overdose uh, by Dr. Boyer and colleagues from the New England Journal of Medicine in 2012. Awesome. And just for reference for everybody, you know, this is something that's been coming down the pike for a long time. I, we are all well aware of what's going on with the opioid epidemic and all of the pressures that are being placed on uh, providers treating patients with uh, chronic pain uh, over the past many years, um, our practice started to implement this uh, kind of similar procedures or um, you know, prescribing naloxone to patients a little over a year ago, uh, you know, as we were kind of seeing where things were headed um, and kind of figuring out the best ways to make sure that we were keeping our patients safe. Uh, we started to require that we were, uh, our patients had a prescription or at least were prescribed a prescription and it was at you know obviously the patient's discretion uh, to be able to pick up but we were implementing education on opioid overdose uh, for uh, for quite some time and this is now law here in California uh, once again assembly bill 2760 so make sure that you're paying attention make sure that you're documenting appropriately and make sure that you are educating patients appropriately anybody greater than 90 morphine equivalents anybody who's on an opiate and a benzo concurrently and anybody who is at increased risk for overdose and like dr carvelis had said earlier by all means err on the side of caution. If you have any inkling at all that the patient has uh, a risk for challenges, let's be safe. Let's educate them. Let's educate somebody around them. Let's keep everybody out there safe. All right. Once again, thanks again for joining us and we'll talk to you next time. Okay. Have a good week, guys.